Welcome to a special edition of the Madverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin. This is session number 4.5. Today's special edition of the Maniverse Podcast, we're going to chat with Eric Freitag. Eric is the founder of Pukatrade.com. You may have heard of it. It's the revolutionary online trading platform for Magic the Gathering cards. In a little under two years, Pukatrade has grown from a few hundred members to over 60,000 and has had over $1.5 million worth of Magic cards flow through its system. By using a forward-thinking approach to business creation, Eric raised the money to go from beta to full-fledged web app directly from the Magic community through crowdfunding, which is one of the reasons this is a special edition episode. Because currently, Pukatrade is running another crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. In order to develop a bunch of exciting new features for the site, including the super cool ability to trade paper cards for digital and digital for paper. I believe in Eric's vision, and I want to help them succeed. And once you hear the conviction in his voice as he talks about what he's working towards, I think you will too. With the goal of raising $50,000, they have a lot of work to do to pull it off. But with your help and mine, they might be able to revolutionize online trading again. You can check out the campaign by going to http colon forward slash slash ig.me slash at slash puka slash x. You can also find the links in the show notes. And with that, let me introduce Eric Freitag. Hey, Thomas, how's it going? Hello, it's going pretty good. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, just uh, finished up some lunch here, late lunch out in Oakland, and uh, yeah, excited to, uh, to say hi. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been um, kind of in- involved with the, the Maniverse? <gasps> I guess about a year at this point. Ah, very cool. Now, yeah. is this something that you started, or what's your involvement with it? Yeah, I started the whole thing myself. Very cool. Sweet, sweet. What uh, what gave you that idea? <laughs> Originally, I wanted to start my own game store. Ah. Well, I had my own game store, then I wanted to do it again, but uh, it just seemed like a better option, and... The whole retail side wasn't really uh, in the cards at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, huh? So, uh, what was the what was the game store that you owned in the past? It was it was originally called the Last Level. Oh. It was about ten years ago. Okay. I uh, it was uh, downtown Kitchener, which is where I live in Ontario, okay. Canada. Oh, just in case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, owned it with uh, two of my friends. We had it for about two years. The two friends part was really kind of, I would say, the reason it existed and also the reason it closed. Right. Yeah, I could see things like that probably happen, huh? Yeah, but it was a it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was the one thing like I was super passionate about having like owning a store. I loved the community. I loved doing it. It just it wasn't didn't last. So mm-hmm. kind of moved on to other things, and then I really wanted to do it myself, do it again, but. Uh, uh, that's not something you can do from home, whereas I can uh, totally run a website from my house. Nice. Yeah, that comes with uh, some pretty sweet benefits, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does great. help. And also, I'm on uh, paternity leave now, so I've got all kinds of time. Nice. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so, uh, you have a newborn then? Yep. Three weeks. Ah, wow. Wow. Congratulations, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, is then it, You said it was your firstborn, is that right? Yes. Very cool. Firstborn awesome. son. Nice, nice. What's his name? Kai Potter Traplin. Ooh, I like that. I like the name Kai. That's a sweet name. Yeah, we like it too. It was, <laughs> it was a long process trying to figure one out, but we came, we we both agreed. We both, both liked it, so mm. it works. Very cool. Yeah. So how, how's, the, how's the magic scene in Ontario? I would say it's pretty strong. We did have like the biggest PTQ, I believe, before they went away. Like, in the huh. world. I think it was 450 people or something. Wow. So, it was, yeah. There's a lot of people playing around Toronto. So, Cool. Wow, but, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good, I guess. Yeah. And, and what, what formats do you usually play? Me personally or everybody? Yeah. yeah personally, yeah. I mostly play modern. 
that's the only well that was the only thing i had the opportunity to play for a long time because my work schedule but uh yeah modern and then just last saturday i went and played in a sealed pbdq oh very cool yeah interesting because it's been the it was the first time i've played a sealed in uh probably like three years yeah i love it man i i love limited i love cracking packs me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah and there's something about the way that it sort of kind of evens the playing field for everyone that i that i really like a lot i i suppose there's some element to that in constructed but i feel like you could get any magic player pull them aside and then you know do a draft or play a sealed event and everybody's kind of on the same footing in some way um which is uh yeah it's something i always liked about it a lot yeah it's nice that you both start at the same position you both have the same opportunities to open up something crazy yeah it's very possible yeah, the randomness kind of adds a little bit of fun to it, and then also it's very addictive. Personally, <laughs> to open booster packs, it's uh, there's a thrill yeah. to it. I know that's the truth. That sound, something about the sound the foil makes. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about uh, Magic Online at the at the the PPTQ because the the original client used to have that sound built into it when you opened a booster pack for a draft. <laughs> yeah, and it yeah. would make that sound effect. And I, yeah, that was one of the things that really got me to like the original client and they took it away they did that's crazy wow it just seems like such an obvious thing to do <laughs> yeah just build it in that nice tactile sound yeah. you know it's, just, it's good exactly yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> well just one of the many things on uh, magic online that probably needs improvement huh <laughs> yeah there's a long list that's probably one of, one near the bottom i got lots <laughs> of things that you need to fix first yeah totally <laughs> yeah so uh, what have you been doing lately? Oh man, well, yeah, I've been pretty pretty crazy busy around here. You know, obviously um, with the Indiegogo project, uh, we got a lot on our plate, a lot of community outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like, and it's just, a lot of it is just talking to people. You know, uh, via via um, you know podcasts or skyping or just conversations, email, Twitter, social media, just the whole thing. You know, it's just. Uh, trying to really, um, you know, activate people. A lot of people have a lot of questions about what we're trying to do. And, yeah, we're definitely just trying to get the word out and uh, and uh, get people excited to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. That's what we're trying to do here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I certainly appreciate, uh, you know, the offer to have me on. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool stuff. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I really wanted to talk about this. So I guess we should uh, start at the beginning a little bit. Sure. Go back uh, maybe a year and a half or so and... Let's talk about before there was a Puka trade. How did you get there? What, what, how did you come up with the idea in the first place? Yeah, you got it. Um, so um, I guess uh, just to go back, I mean, I guess I kind of have to go back to the beginning when uh, I was playing Magic in high school. And uh, yeah, I started around 96, Mirage era, and I was playing just casual 60 card with my friends and then took a break from 2000 to 2008 or so. And I remember checking back in with it and being super impressed with how much better the game got. You know, it mm-hmm. it seemed like all the mechanics they came out with were really kind of fixed the set and, and just made it made it better. You know, uh, but I also noticed that um, game, the cards had become incredibly expensive. Like it was uh, building a deck was no longer like a twenty thirty dollar endeavor. You know, you could spend hundreds to thousands of dollars on it and. It always struck me as sort of like a point of inequity that um, people who were willing to spend more money on their cards were the ones who had uh, the better decks. They had the advantage in the game, and uh, that never really sat right with me. Um, and at the same time, like I, I looked at my collection and was like, "This is just valuable. You know, there's there's cards in here. There's no reason I should be, you know, spending more money on Magic cards if I don't have to. I should be able to trade for these things." And um, you know, so I, I did. I, I dived back in and was trading at my local game store. Uh, but, uh, you know, after um, trading with the same five or six people uh, a couple times, you're like, oh, well, I remember your binder. We, we did the trades we could, and now there's nothing we want. And uh, so I kind of turned to the Internet as a way to, uh, you know, trade online. But I was really frustrated with um, the, the few uh, options that were out. There's really just one at the time, and it is basically like a giant forum site that moved at the speed of email where mm-hmm. people were – um, negotiating and haggling for their best interests, and there was all sorts of like bizarre, uh, you know, etiquette and like mutual understandings about trading up. Some people wanted to trade up, some people wanted to trade down, some didn't want to trade foils for, for non foils, some didn't want to trade, you know, beta for, for uh, more recent stuff. And it was like this is the politics of this is insane, and, and there's no, 
everybody values everything differently and everyone thinks everyone's out to get them. I was like, they're, they're, why is it so difficult? These cards have a value. They have an abstract value, like a, a sort of a consensual reality as to how much they should cost. So I was like, if we just had a way, if we had sort of like a, a central system that was a trusted source for magic card prices, and you said, you know, look, a Storm Breath Dragon is 10 bucks, whether you're trading it for a beta card or something standard, uh, it would really make it easier for people to trade. Um, so, yeah, I guess in, in that way, uh, it, was, it was that kind of sentiment that uh, I think gave birth to Puka Trade. Cool. I'm guessing that site was uh, MOTL. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. yeah and I, wanna... I used to use that as well. Yeah. Probably you know, a decade ago. <laughs> I don't want to, um, you know, I certainly, it's not my intention to, you know, um, badmouth them or cast any shadow on them. I think, I think that a lot of people, a lot of people use and like that site. And I think, uh, you know, they are, they're providing a really valuable service to the community as well because they are providing free trade. It's just, um, I, I just, uh, I think Puka Trade's a, another alternative. Um, it's, uh, also, they did the best they could with the technology at the time, and, you know, times have changed. There's a lot more things that you can do with the internet now, so yeah, I think let's that's, update that, it. That is a really good point, absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's that's always been our goal at Puka Trade, is to use sort of modern technological advancements to make the process of trading magic cards way easier. Um and, uh, you know, Puka Trade is really, it's built specifically for that. It's built by Magic players for Magic players. And I think, I think there's a lot of gain there. Uh, one thing that people say from time to time is, well, why don't I just use eBay? And it's that eBay, eBay is, is a huge marketplace for sure, and there's definitely a lot of commerce for Magic cards there, but it's not built for Magic cards. I mean, you know, anyone who's ever sold on there knows that moving any number of cards on eBay is an incredibly time-consuming process. I mean, you have to basically create a unique post for every single Magic card that you put up there. You have to do individual auctions. And, you know, and at the end of the day, there's fees and taxes and all those things that, that eBay collects. And, you know, ultimately, it's just uh, it never seemed like a perfect solution for me and uh, certainly wasn't a great way for me to leverage the value out of my collection. Yeah, that's a fair point. eBay is good for some things, but... Uh... That's the problem. It's a general solution. Yeah. Why not come up with something way more specific that's far more useful? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the that's one of the things we um, that's one of our, our sort of main service offerings um, at Puka Trade is that we're facilitating trade in a slightly different way. We facilitate one way trades, whereas normal normally in a in a classic trading scenario, um, you have to have something called the coincidence of wants, which is where um, Two people with congruent wants and needs get together at the same time in the same place uh, and then negotiate a trade um, that's you know mutually beneficial. Uh, but again, there's a lot that can go wrong there. So with Puka Trade, we say, look, again, your Storm Breath Dragon is ten bucks or however much it is, and if you send it to anyone who wants it, uh, you'll just receive ten dollars worth of trade credits. Uh, we call the trade credits Puka Points, and once you have Puka Points. People can send you cards on your want list just like you did with a Storm Breath Dragon for somebody else. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. How did you come up with a one-sided trading system? It's never been done before, right? Yeah. Um, again, it was. I think it was mostly just out of the fact that um, it could be difficult to find someone who wants the specific cards you want, and uh, there's no. I mean, all things being, a card is a card is a card. You know, like your Storm Breath Dragon isn't any different than mine or someone else's. So if I if I have a Stormbreath Dragon and want to give it to someone who wants it, I don't really need to care about whether or not they have something I want. It's just, I guess if you just distill any trade down into like its, its barest, most essential elements, um, it doesn't have to be two people exchanging cards of equal value. Uh, and that's just one of the benefits of it is that, you know, you know, we've all been in this situation before where you open up your trade binder and someone's like, oh, I have, uh, you know, I have like you know, this one random 50 cent card that I want from you. And you're like, oh man, all I found is a $20 card. You know, mm -hmm. that's a trade is not going to happen there, even though there's, and, and I think that's, that, that was a problem to me. Like it was, it was inefficient from an economic standpoint because you have two people who have matching wants, but they don't have matching needs, but there's no reason that that trade still can't occur. Like there's still, um, I, I think in the right marketplace, uh, both people walk away from that situation, you know, having exchanged something they want to get rid of and received something that they want. And that's why we use Puka Points. We use Puka Points to sort of um, 
yeah, I guess just even the playing field and say, uh, you, you know, this is, there, we, we're, we're reducing the number of, um, you know, attributes of a given trade that have to be in perfect confluence in order for this thing to succeed. Mm-hmm. So how did you come up with the name Puka? That's something <laughs> that always kind of confused me. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like an inside magic reference. Um, have you heard of the card Puka's Mischief by chance? I can't say that I have, actually. Okay, that's all right. I'll tell you what it is. It is a blue enchantment for three colorless and a blue. And it says at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player exchanges a permanent with someone else. So you're trading cards in-game. Perfect. Yeah. That makes much more sense now. You're right, right. <laughs> actually, the, um, the, uh, the card on our search page is Puka's Mischief. Uh, yeah, if you go search for... You can search for Puka's Mischief from the Puka's Mischief search, and you'll, you'll see what it's all about. <laughs> Fantastic. That, that, that was always a mystery to me, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's uh, talk about the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just you, right? No, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we now have 12 people on the team. Um, so there's a nice. lot of people who are pitching in to help out on this thing. And, um, yeah, we have, like, a, a, a group of core developers uh, who have... Um, really made Puka Trade what it is today. Uh, back in November of 2013, uh, we had sort of a massive uh, site rebuild where we were exiting the beta stage of development. And uh, yeah, we've had the same core group of guys uh, that have been working on it since then, uh, that being uh, Mitch, Chris, and Cody. And uh, yeah, we all live here in Oakland, and we work out of the same office, and we're really good friends. We all play Magic together on usually Tuesdays and sometimes Fridays as well. And um, yeah, we all get along great. It's really awesome to be kind of working uh, side by side with good friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then uh, yeah, there's we have a a pretty pretty solid case resolution team now as well. Um, we actually just brought three more people on the team. So the case resolution team is made up of um, Kush and Tim and Jared and Serena and Nico. Uh, so those are faces around the site, and you'll see them if you uh, uh, if you ever put through like a support ticket or a few, you know if you. I have um, like a feature request. Uh, a lot of times um, with case resolution, uh, you know, you're going to be hearing from one of those five guys or, or five folks. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's one thing that we we spend a lot of time and energy on the site. Actually, is the case resolution process. Uh, that's another thing that we offer um, that's pretty exclusive to Puka Trade, and that um, you know we have a hundred percent guarantee on every single trade on the site. So if you mail out a card, you will receive the trade credits uh, equivalent to its value. Um, and, you know, we think it's really important to, to protect people in that way. A lot of people who are trading on Puka Trade are doing it for the first time. And, uh, you know, not everyone uh, has actually traded Magic cards by mail before. So, uh, yeah, we think it's, it's really important to give people that assurance that, look, everything's fine. Just give it a shot. Send your card out. And, uh, you know, we got your back if anything comes up. Yeah, no, it's actually uh, super important. It's one of the troubles that I remember with Magic Online Trading League. That was there's always that chance that you're going to send something out, and someone's not going to send something back to you. Right. And right. You lose there's, out on that uh, that trade, right? Theft yeah, is pretty common. Right. There's no yeah. There's no oversight in a place like that, and mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that comes with uh, you know a little bit of inherent risk for sure. Um, so yeah. Then uh, as far as other people on the team go, uh, we have James uh, Rosenblum, who's uh, taking care of our blog. He's the editor, um, and uh, Vinny Balistrieri is our community manager. Um, and yeah, I guess that's that's everyone right now. Okay. So how did you find these people? Like when it was just you, where did you start? Well, um, actually, uh, the I met Mitch, Chris, and Cody because Mitch reached out to me. Uh, during our first crowdfunding campaign uh, back in, I think, April of 2013, mm-hmm. we were trying to raise some money to get out of the beta stage of development, and Mitch actually reached out to me one day, and he's like, hey, I saw your project. It looks really cool. Just checked out Puka Trade. Uh, we are um, a group of developers that are working here in Oakland, and we have a magic night every Friday. You should come on by. And uh, so I did. I went by, and uh, they were awesome dudes, and we got along great. And next thing, next thing you know, we were rebuilding Puka Trade together. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool to think back and, and realize that, you know, after two years now, uh, we've really come a long way together. And uh, I don't know, it's one thing I've always appreciated about that is how easy it's been. Um, uh, yeah, I, again, it just goes back to, you know, the joy of working with friends alongside them. Yeah, it definitely, definitely helps when uh, you're both on the same page. Well, all of you are on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And then a lot of people I've met just through the Puka Trade community, whether just like trading with them and starting up a chat on Twitter or something like that. A lot of people will reach out. Um, a lot of the case resolution folks have uh, reached out and said, hey, like we love Puka Trade. We trade on it all the time. You know, we've obviously had interactions in the past because mm -hmm. um, at first I was doing all of the case resolution. Mm -hmm. um, and they said, you know, we noticed maybe you're a little backlogged or if you ever need a hand, just don't hesitate to let me know. And uh, I think everyone, everyone on the team really has uh, has joined um, in that way. Like they started as a puka trader, then offered to pitch in, um, you know, it, it, given their own specific set of talents and interests. And um, I don't know. That, I think that's really important. You know, this uh, again, like I, I really feel like this is a community-owned and operated project, and uh, it really makes sense to have everyone on the on the site be a puka trader and a magic player. Yeah, it definitely helps to work with people who are passionate about what you're doing, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so when you, still I want to keep going back, did you build the beta version well, on your own? Do you have uh, coding skills or did you? No, actually I don't. I don't have, uh, I don't have a technical background. Um, I did try to learn some HTML and CSS briefly for about a year or so, uh, but realized that um, this was around, this is actually after I had realized that I had wanted to make Puka Trade, but mm -hmm. um, so I was, yeah, I thought I'd uh, go learn how to do it, right? And what I realized almost immediately is that uh, the level of complexity involved in a project like this, is it went so far beyond anything that a, a fledgling developer could do. Uh, there was no way, basically, that I could learn, learn to write enough code uh, to build something like this. Like, the reality is that it takes an extraordinarily talented uh, team of developers in order to accomplish what we've accomplished. Um, and I think uh, kind of dipping my toe into the water... Uh, taught me that very quickly. Um, yeah, so then almost immediately um, I realized that uh, I got to build a team. It's not going to be something that I can accomplish on my own, uh, but uh, rather that it would be, you know, something that would have to start, uh, you know, with someone with, you know, extensive background in uh, writing code and history with this sort of thing. Okay. So where did you go from there? You realized that you can't build a site with your own coding skill. Did you outsource it to somebody did you find a developer like did you immediately start working with uh, some of the guys you have now uh yeah uh so i actually went through um a couple of other developers at first um that um i didn't really work out with and i think uh you know the big problem was that they weren't magic players the first couple people mm -hmm. um i was uh kind of teaming up with um you know they were interested and they're smart motivated people with extensive background in code uh, but I, I really believe that the the critical uh, flaw in our relationship, from a long term perspective, was that they're not they don't they're not into magic, right? They don't understand uh, how kind of cool and amazing the service is. Uh, they don't understand that it's uh, you know it's it's really revolutionizing the face of uh, the magic community and magic ex exchange in general. And um, e and even if they did understand it, it's not something that was inherently exciting to them. Um, whereas, like, w for me, <laughs> I think they saw how exciting it was for me, where every single step, like, every feature we built or every milestone or landmark that the site hit was just such a joy, and it still is. And uh, I think they just never shared in that. And if you don't have that kind of joy, if you don't get to watch as, as the site, like, grows and becomes more fun to use and a more valuable service even to you... Uh, yeah, I mean, eventually you're going to get bored. You're going to get tired. You're going to have moments where you're like, this is not worth it. For how much I'm putting into this, I'm, I'm just not getting out enough. Um, and, uh, you know, I think um, a Magic player working on this project gets something very different out of it than someone who has no interest in the game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So it would be anyway. hard if you did. It would be hard to stay interested if you didn't care, if it was just another job. You wouldn't put the That's same exactly. kind of dedication into it. That's exactly right. That's mm. exactly right. And, uh, you know, uh, so around the time that, again, like um, around the time that I was doing the, the um, crowdfunding campaign back in 2013, um, yeah, just to answer your question, I didn't really find Mitch. Mitch found me, mm. uh, which is, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It was a cool way to, to start that all off. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty decent way to start a business. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's talk about the first campaign then. Okay, yeah. Uh, so again, that was back in April of 2013, and uh, it was um, to get us out of beta. Um, and 
yeah, I mean, we received a tremendous outpouring of uh, support from the magic community at large. And uh, at that time, we were, um, yeah, we were shooting to raise just $8,000 was all it would take at the time to get us out of beta. And we ended up raising 12, uh, which was awesome. You know, we put that um, all towards uh, the cost of development of uh, getting the new design templated like you see it today and um, all of the features, um, you know, that were in the in the first crop of them. And I really feel like we went above and beyond at that time. Like we, we promised one thing uh, to the community and we delivered 10 times that. Uh, and all the feedback we got after that campaign was that we really blew it out of the park. Yeah, that's always a good policy to over-deliver. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so how did you set the $8,000 target? Mm. At that time, we just looked at the features that we wanted to build, uh, talked to a designer, asked him what it would take to, um, you know, uh, um, to put it all together, and uh, kind of just extrapolated it based on hourly costs. Mm. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty si somewhat simple process, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was also, we, it probably at that time would have been really helpful to raise more, frankly. Um, I think that what we were able to accomplish with the financial resources we had is kind of mind-blowing. And it largely, I think, was due to, um, you know, Mitch and Chris and Cody being so willing to be a part of the project at su such a fraction of their uh, traditional cost, of their actual rate that they, uh, you know, that they charge to all their clients. Like, these are guys that are, remember, they're very very deeply established uh, developers uh, out here in California, in Oakland, the San Francisco Bay Area, where demand for their, uh, their time and talents is incredibly high. Um, so I, I really believe that you know, their willingness to, um, to, to work at such a fraction of what they were um, used to working at in a large way enabled Puka Trade to be what it is today. That's actually very helpful, having somebody sweat equity, right? Somebody uh, work for passion project not necessarily profit exactly yeah absolutely and i think that's that's you know i think that's a good point is that when passion's involved when you're building something you actually believe in something you have agency in and ownership of mm -hmm. it just feels totally different than building something else for some large corporate corporate client that you don't actually really care about whether it succeeds or fails you know um and uh yeah i think uh I think we've always tried to sort of preserve that in everything we do here at Puka Trade. Um, you know, one thing that's, I, I, there's a lot of different ways in which this business is really unique. Uh, like we don't keep like official work hours at all. Um, you know, if people, people are kind of, they're able to sort of come and go as they want. Like it's never, it's never been my attention to create a business where, uh, you know, everybody's in their chair from nine to five and, you know, working you know, uh, 50 weeks out of the year with two weeks of vacation and nine hours sick time or whatever, though, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like, I just don't really think, I've never really felt like life should fully be that way. Uh, I think people are so much happier when they have the freedom to come and go as they please, because that means every time they are in their chair, every time they come and crack open their laptop to do some work, they're doing some of their own volition and they're, they're working of their own accord. And um, I just think you can't really replace that. That's, it's so valuable. And like, um, the idea that uh, any number of people can kind of have their livelihoods, um, you know, make their livelihoods in that way is super important to me. Okay. So uh, what's an average day at the Puka Trade office look like then? An average day? Um, I don't know. I'm not positive there is an average day. <laughs> um, but, well, what, is, uh, what does your day look like? My day? Uh, so I usually, <laughs> I usually wake up at about seven every morning and go on a run, um, usually about three miles and then... Uh, grab some breakfast and then walk in. I'm like, I feel super lucky. I'm able to walk to work, which is awesome. So, um, yeah, I have a husky a dog named Mishra, and mm -hmm. uh, I usually toss him on a leash, and then we go on a walk to work together. And then he sleeps for <laughs> any number of hours while I sit here and poke at this funny box called a computer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, um, you know, people people come in when uh, you know as as they're able to or whenever whenever they can. And uh, yeah, we usually kind of start of the day um, at around like 9.30 or 10 and uh, you're you know, chatting about magic cards for a little while until people say, well, what are our goals for today? What are we trying to work on? And uh, we talk about um, you know, any pressing bug that we have to look at or feature that we want to develop, um, any, any of the many development tasks that require our attention. Um, yeah, now we have um, you know, case resolution folks in the office as well. And you know, we, uh, we're usually here kind of cranking out and trying to get stuff done. Usually I'd say if there was a schedule, it would be 
uh, like 10 to 6, like plus or minus four hours, depending on who you are and what you feel like doing. But um, yeah, like uh, just last night, for example, we ended up staying till midnight. You know, there's a lot to do, especially given our current uh, crowdfunding project that we're all into. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, it's, 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 um, it, it, there is an energy and an electricity to being here. And sometimes, uh, you know, that's, that's contagious. And if I think about where I want to be, it's not necessarily at home or something. It's, it's here, like, uh, you know, getting stuff done and, 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 uh, you know, making progress. Working um, on something that means something to you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then other than that, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, we don't play too much magic. You would think that, man, you get six guys who all play magic in any room for 12 hours and, you know, all they would be doing is talking about and playing magic. But uh, yeah, you think a draft yeah, would break out. Yeah, I know. I know. But we generally keep that to Tuesdays and Fridays for the most part. I mean, you know, not that there's certainly no rules about it either way, but that's just kind of the rhythm that ends up happening. Sounds like a, a great way to spend your time, actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. OK, so let's talk about your current campaign. So what are you working on right now? What's this campaign yeah. about? Right, right. So, um, yeah, it's actually really exciting stuff right now. Uh, we have uh, some pretty lofty uh, development goals. Right now, we are in the middle of a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo uh, to finance uh, five huge features on Trade that we're super excited about. Uh, we're trying to get support for non-English cards, uh, cards of any condition. Uh, we're trying to soup up the mobile experience and get that uh, sort of responsively designed. Uh, we want to get support for quantity uh, and like package trading. And then the big thing that uh, I think is is really ambitious, but also the probably the most exciting is support for digital cards. Uh, we want to get magic magic online cards available to trade on Puka trade. And um, you know, if we do, uh, we'll actually be the first platform to support digital to paper trade and vice versa. yeah, i'm I'm curious how do you plan to achieve that? Like what is the system that you're trying to build? Yeah, definitely. So, um, and basically, what we want to use is uh, kind of technology or bots as an intermediary to facilitate peer-to-peer mm -hmm. -peer trade. And so, uh, essentially, as a as a member of the site, I think a digital trade will feel almost well. It will feel very similar to a paper trade. So you will go to uh, you know the the trade page to find um, cards to send, digital cards to send to other people. And uh, when you initiate a trade, uh, you, it'll then be sort of like a you know contractual agreement to uh, send. A digital card to that person, and so uh, when you log on to uh, Magic Online, um, basically uh, we will will have sort of a bot that's aware of the trade that you're involved in, and you just create sort of a trade chat with that bot, um, and then drop the card off, and then you're done. As a sender, you're done at that point. Then the bot kind of does the rest. It's like, okay, great, um, you know, we received that Storm Breath Dragon, and uh, it lets the Puka Trade web portal know, and your points are instantaneously instantaneously credited uh, to your account from escrow. And then uh, the moment that happens, we ping the uh, receiver, and we say, "Hey, your Stormbreath Jackins arrived. Uh, come log on and, and pick it up whenever you want." And so then the receiver logs on, initiates a trade, and the, you know receives the Stormbreath Dragon, and it, it's complete. It's done at that point. Yeah, very cool. I like that. Yeah, and uh, you know we we want to make that a very simple and elegant experience for the user, but there's actually a lot going on in the background uh, to make it happen. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of a huge job and a huge undertaking, but we we have it all dialed in and spelled out, and we know what steps we want to take to make it happen. Uh, again, we got a team of of pretty pretty righteous developers here, and uh, we're super confident that we'll be able to blow this out of the park. Okay, yeah, that sounds uh sounds very interesting. Sounds like an actual, like a very complex project that you have going on right now. Yeah, it is. It is. But, uh, you know, the end result will be incredible. Mm -hmm. So why Indiegogo? <laughs> Instead of Kickstarter? Or, that... or any uh, number of possible options too, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're, do you mean from a funding perspective or yeah, a yeah. crowdfunding perspective? Both, actually. Yeah. Like, well, why Indiegogo, not Kickstarter, for, for one? And then also, why crowdfunding and not regular old funding or sure yeah or... yeah yeah i'd be happy to i'd be happy to talk about that a bit sure uh, we went with indiegogo over kickstarter um because uh we just kind of i kind of like them a little bit more um initially back in the day in 2013 um when we were trying to raise uh funding the first time our instinct was to go through um kickstarter and i i remember kind of creating the project um but it actually got rejected by them because at the time they were exclusive to art 
so they said, look, your project isn't an art project, so uh, we're not going to, you know, you can't be a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think since they've changed their policy, I think they've broadened their scope a little bit. But back in the day, uh, uh, they were exclusive to art. So, um, yeah, at that time, we went to Indiegogo and had a great experience with them. And, um, you know, the Indiegogo is like a really well-designed site. Um, it has like very, very nice user experience, um, both as a project builder and as a contributor. And, uh, you know, we just had such a good experience the first time around. We figured we'd stick with them now. Okay. So why crowdfunding then? Right. Yeah. Um, well, you know, there's a, I guess there's other, other options for financing as well. I mean, probably the, the first, you know, the, 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 other, the other alternative would be venture capital. Uh, you know, here in Silicon Valley, as it were, everybody's always chasing venture capital. And uh, I don't know, there's a lot about that that is, is great. And I think venture capital is perfect for many businesses out there. And it's a great solution for folks um, that really need it. Uh, but it's also true that it kind of comes with some inherent risks that I didn't necessarily want to expose the Puka Trade community to. Um, you know, venture capital is, is generally not a small amount of money. Uh, it's usually quite a bit more than what we're seeking to raise for this crowdfunding campaign. Instead of uh, you know fifty thousand crowdfunding, it can be closer these days to eight hundred thousand or even a million for an early stage, like an early round of funding. Mm-hmm. And that kind of money definitely has its allure, but it also comes with um, some inherent risks. I mean, and a lot uh, of strings. Exactly, a lot of strings and a lot of and a huge loss of control. And uh, you know, for example, if if I had to give up control to an investor who didn't necessarily have the Puka Trades community's best interests at heart, um, that could result in uh, in some things that I I wasn't prepared uh, to sacrifice. Like just I mean, just to give you some concrete examples hypothetically, mm-hmm. what if the investor said, "Hey, look how many transactions you guys are doing. You are now facilitating, you know, six hundred. You've you've facilitated six hundred thousand trades, and it's roughly um, you know it's looking like another hundred thousand every month. You know." What if they said you think you should be capitalizing on that transactional nature of of Puka trade and be charging ten cents per trade? Then all of a sudden, I've kind of given up to c- control to someone who doesn't have the same interests at heart. Someone who looks at Puka trade as sort of like a cash cow to be exploited instead of necessarily like a fantastic free service for the magic community. You know, mm-hmm. it, and I'm not saying that all investors are like that. I believe that there's probably some investors out there who kind of share the vision and say, hey, we also want what's best for the magic community. But I never have met one like that. And um, yeah, so you're far more likely to find one who wants a, a return on their investment as opposed to. Uh, positive social change. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. And again, I'm open to the possibility of it. And I believe that there are any investors that, you know, there are some investors out there probably, but I just didn't feel like it was the best choice for the Puka Trade community. Instead, when we crowdfund it, we get to keep it magic owned, community focused, community operated, community financed. And, you know, uh, all my only strings and obligations now are to the people trading on the site. And that's that's how I want it. That's how I think uh, the site continues to be the best it can be. Good answer. What was your biggest setback with Puka Trade? It's been uh, a couple of years, and I'm sure it's been a bumpy ride. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's actually have a little bit of a struggle to even answer this. In a lot of ways, it's been so clean and so easy. Um, I, you know, I, we talked a little bit about uh, before about... Um, you know the uh, my previous you know development partners and teams mm-hmm. that uh, uh, that I've engaged with, and I think um, you know transitioning transitioning between teams is a huge challenge. It was a huge challenge for me as someone who's not uh, really a, you know has as someone without a technical background in um, you know the manipulation of code. Uh, the loss. Uh, of of a developer is a huge challenge. It's a big big problem. Uh, and um, yeah, I don't know. In I think that those were those were turbulent times at times. Uh, you know, I I, I think um, when the first transition happened, there was already like 
you know, three to 500 people trading on the site, which is, you know, by today's standards, maybe not that much. But again, I have felt a huge sense of obligation to these people. And the idea that there could be any disruption in service was, um, was horrible to me. It's, it was very, very stressful. Um, and so I think to feel like, um, I don't know, to feel, um, I, felt, I felt a tremendous amount of pressure, uh, self-imposed pressure, to make sure everything was running seamlessly and that uh, no, no one who was trading on the site was sort of exposed to any sort of lapse in service from that. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, if that was a setback, it was also um, what I would describe as, you know, the most powerfully positive thing to come out of the site as well. Because through that transition, I ended up with the, the development team that's working on the site now. And um, again, like, I, I can't even think of a single setback <laughs> since that occurred. It's been so smooth and so easy. And um, yeah, again, I feel so fortunate to, to, to be a part of the team that we have now. And um, so, you know, if there were rocky times, they were, they were well in the past. And, uh, you know, we, we've certainly moved, moved past into greener, into greener pastures here. And more in the early stages of the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was absolutely. there ever a time you considered giving up? No, actually, no, there wasn't. There wasn't. There was. There were times where I, I questioned. I guess um, is this something people want? You know. Mm -hmm. I think I'm always. I'm constantly wondering that about everything. Every feature I build, every change that we make, every button that we move or change color or get rid of, every single decision we make. Uh, you know, the heart of that is: is this something people want? You know, uh, how will people react? Will they do so positively, negatively? And you know, it's it's. I think I, I've always been someone who sees things from multiple angles, you know? It's, it's been somewhat, I, I, I can convince myself um, yay or nay, you know, without too much difficulty, uh, you know? It's, and I think the reality is that, uh, you know, with a lot of things, um, it, you know, it depends on who you ask, you know? Is um, certain people like certain things, other people don't like others, and you can make one change and please one crowd and then alienate another, you know? Um, but... Um, uh, uh oh, I lost I lost the original question. I'm sorry. What was uh What was the original question? How did I get on this tangent here? <laughs> uh, I, well, I can't remember either. <laughs> That's okay. We're going down the rabbit hole a little bit. That makes me feel a little bit better about it. Um, <laughs> how do you get past the uncertainty? Oh, how do you decide yeah. which uh, which route to take? Right. Well, um, really. Anytime, anytime you're faced with uncertainty like that, you can just ask people. And I think I, I'm super fortunate to have very like honest and insightful friends around. And um, you know, if you if you just ask people like, "Hey, am I going in the right direction on this? What do you think?" They will give you honest feedback a lot of the time. And whether that's yes or no, it points you in the right direction. Um, that was something that we did really early on, actually, uh, with about 25 of the other Magic players in my play group. Um, I took them all out to pizza one by one and just said, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing with Puka Trade. I know it's a little bit different, somewhat unconventional. Here's the reasons that I, I like this, biz this um, you know, uh, trading model. Uh, wh what do you think? Like, what are your reactions to it? And uh, that early feedback that I got uh, hugely shaped um, the direction. And, uh, you know, getting a lot of positive feedback about uh, some of these ideas like uh, trading for um, trade credits and one-way trades and stuff, uh, you know, that was all positive. All the stuff that I got back from, from the guys uh, in my playgroup uh, kind of pointed me in the right direction and made me realize that, uh, that we were onto something here. Fantastic. Yeah, it definitely helps to get validation yeah, from the people you, wanna, you want to have use your service, right? That's exactly right. And then similarly now, uh, we engage a tremendous amount with, with, uh, with the Puka Trade community. There's a few different forums uh, that people can um, suggest new features and talk about things they love about the site, talk about pain points that they want us to fix. Um, you know, this is things like the Puka Trade subreddit. Um, we have user voice. User voice is like the little blue question mark in the bottom right-hand corner of every page. Mm -hmm. If you click on that, not only can you give us feedback, but you can open a support ticket. And you, there's also an ideas section where you can suggest an idea that we make and vote on it as well. So, you know, the, actually, the I think five, I think it's like five of the, the I, I think actually the, the top five suggestions that have been voted on in the ideas forum right now are the ones that we're actually building in the Indiegogo project. Like these are these are the things that people have told us that they want more than anything. Uh, so in a lot of ways, yeah. So in a lot of ways, the crowdfunding project is sort of an opportunity to allow them to directly cause those features to get created. What has been your greatest victory? What's the what's the proudest moment you've had with Puka Trade so far? 
definitely exiting the beta stage of development. That was huge. It, we put so much work into it, so much hard work and love and energy. Um, and uh, when we exited the beta stage of development and saw uh, just how happy and ecstatic uh, people were, all the feedback that we got was incredible. Uh, people really came out and said, look, this is you guys took it so much further than we expect, and we love what you did. And uh, that was incredible. It, it felt... It felt awesome not only to to take um, you know uh, take people's suggestions and uh, their contributions during the first crowdfunding campaign and turn them into something that was so far beyond what they were hoping to receive from it. Uh, that was a huge victory for us, and uh, it'll definitely always stick with me. I can see why you'd be uh, be proud of that. Yeah, yeah. Taking something that hasn't existed and making something that people really love. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I. I think uh, anytime you can just even make some little corner of the world better, even if it's a, as insignificant as <laughs> as magic, a silly, yeah, as, as magic, yeah, it still it feels good to know that you're you're facilitating something something helpful. I mean, I, I always think about that now and again. Is that um, you know there usually like the daily minutia of all the things that I have to do piled up into like a giant to-do list is, uh, is, is usually overwhelming enough that I'm, I'm focused kind of on that. But sometimes I, I get to step back and think about how far we've come and, um, you know, 600,000 trades facilitated, like that's incredible. The total value of that is over a million and a half dollars of, of magic cards that we have put into people's hands and helped them, you know, leverage from their collections and all for free. Um, you know, it's a tremendous amount of commerce, and uh, um, yeah, it's it. It just feels it feels amazing. Like it's a uh, it it's accelerating too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of magic players out there, and there's still a lot who don't know about us. So um, yeah, I think people are still spreading the word and um, discovering us. I just saw someone on Twitter say uh, magic is uh, or uh, Puka Trade is the best kept kept secret in magic and i'm like well that's cool but we don't want to be a secret yeah, let's, let's try and open that secret up and yeah we want to be the you know the the best free marketplace in magic <laughs> that's what we're trying to be <laughs> okay so you've mentioned a couple of times that puka trade is free mm-hmm. right so how does puka trade operate as a business if it offers all of its services for free yeah, well, um, our flagship service offerings uh, are free, and that is, of course, unlimited free trade um, and um, uh, our 100% trade guarantee, which we touched on a little bit more earlier, mm-hmm. and our auto-matching tools uh, that allow us you to basically uh, create your have list of all the cards you'd like to trade, and then we'll auto-match you with people who want them. Um, so that's kind of our, our flagship service offering, and that'll always be free. There's a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, that you know, if you poke around on the site, you'll you'll be able to interact with a little bit. But um, we also offer sort of a premium subscription membership at five bucks a month or ten bucks a month. Uh, you can unlock a bunch of additional features that kind of enhance your overall trading experience. And it was always really important that that stuff was optional. Uh, like we wanna we wanna create sort of like the exam- advanced experience for power traders, but we also wanna kind of keep it simple for people who are just checking it out for the first time mm-hmm. and. You know, that's one thing that the uh, premium subscription uh, memberships are really good for. Uh, Puka Trade is actually somewhat complicated. Like, there's probably some people who are listening to this podcast right now who have never traded on the site before and are like, wait, I don't actually still get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it probably. is a little different. <laughs> Was that? I said, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's a little different. It's, uh, it, takes, it takes a moment to, to understand it and to get used to it, right? So we actually think it's, it's, it's hugely important that we don't hit people with a bunch of um, you know, non-essential peripheral features from the moment they sign up for sign up to the site. We don't want to give people the idea that um, you know you trade in. You, we don't want to confuse people. We want to make it really simple for them to understand how to get going on the site. Um, so by uh, kind of putting more of those advanced features behind uh, the paywall of five or ten bucks a month, we make sure that our our new folks just are kind of in orientation mode where they get to figure out how it all works. And then later on down the road, um, you know, if they like the site and they're getting good value out of it, then they'll understand the the value of the peripheral features. But um, yeah, I mean, that's the primary way that uh, that we bring in revenue on the site. Um, the other way, of course, is uh, the sale of Puka points. Um, you know, we acknowledge that not everyone always wants to trade to receive Puka points. There are actually some people out there who just want to buy them, and uh, you know, that's that's super important as well. 
I always look at Puka points as sort of a numerical representation of how much any given person has contributed to the community. And, uh, you know, there's lots of ways to contribute, you know? You can contribute by sending cards to people, contributing financially, helping us pay our server bills, and, uh, you know, uh, financing the cost of future development. Um, or, uh, you know, uh, there's <laughs> lots of other ways, actually, yeah. Yeah. for spre spreading the word, too. Like, spreading the word is a big, a big part of... Um, you know, keeping the site going, getting new people on there, and getting more people to trade with. Like, all of these are important things that we, we think that you should get Puka points for. Um, and uh, we also like that it kind of, uh, by having a bunch of other ways that uh, people can earn Puka points just by, uh, you know, signing up and connecting with social media and things like that, um, it's an opportunity to put cards into the hands of people who don't necessarily have the largest collections to trade with. Yeah, excuse me. I like how you uh, reward the behavior that you want to see by giving them Puka points. It's a seems like a really clean transaction. Yeah, definitely. We want to do a lot more of that too. Um, actually, this is a little sneak preview for you and anyone mm. who's listening to this podcast. One of the things we're working on right now is a feedback system, uh, where uh, you know it's it's pretty standard stuff in the sense of every time you finish a trade with someone, you get to rate your experience with them um, along the lines of. Uh, the speed of the transaction, the level of communication of your trading partner, and the accuracy. You know, did they send the cards they said they would send? Were they in the correct, correct edition and condition and language? You know, especially once we support uh, those things uh, when our crowdfunding campaign succeeds. Uh, <laughs> you know, the the accuracy thing will be a big piece in in giving the person feedback. Um, and uh, you know, we want to give them more rewards for having a good feedback record. And that might not actually look exactly like uh, Puka points, but we want to come up with other cool digital perks to give people um, for sort of being fantastic traders. Uh, one of the things we've talked talked about on our podcast, Flash of Insight, before is the the dib system or trade reservations. And it's the idea that um, you know you can get uh, you can sort of like auto auto initiate a trade, right? Like. Uh, I think one of the things that people are often surprised about um, with Puka Trade is that the competition on Puka Trade isn't to receive cards. Cards, when you, whenever a card goes on your want list, um, it gets snatched up almost immediately, like lightning quick. You know, on Puka Trade, everybody's really competing to give, which is awesome. I really like that ethos. You know, uh, it's where sort of like the give and let give tagline comes into play. Um, but um, yeah, we like the idea that uh, look. The people who uh, have these five-star feedback ratings um, and are, uh, you know, sending the correct cards in, the, in you know, within the time guidelines uh, and are being communicative and, and a joy to trade with, basically, should be the ones who get to trade more on the site. So uh, we want to start giving out dibs where you basically get to say, okay, I'm a great trader. I just earned a dib this month. I got dibs on the next Elspeth. So I'm going to be the next person to send an Elspeth out. And then the moment that pops onto someone's want list, boom, it, we just auto-initiate auto the trade for you so you can send it out. And it'll just kind of spread it out a little bit more and reduce the level of competition that we see on that send a card page while at the same time uh, incentivizing this behavior that we want, excuse me, that we want to see. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. I like that. So how competitive is it? If I wanted to send a particular card, is it actually like... Do I have to? Are the odds that are uh, that I have to wait? Well, um, or is it, it just sort of you have to kind of be happy with maybe sending any number of cards? Well, it depends on what you want to send. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> right now, when I go to the send a card page, I see thirty seven thousand cards I can send. So there's a lot of stuff out there, uh, but there's a lot of magic cards out there, and uh, certainly the stuff that moves that that you'll you'll always be able to move or. Um, you know, uh, common common staples in any format, like common legacy staples, like uh, old foils, like foil thought seizes, foil Gitaxian probes. I'm looking right now. I see some moxes. People want, uh, um, you know, random foil shards of Alara planes that they love. I see a mana barbs from 10th edition. I'm seeing dual lands, lion's eye diamonds. Um, I'm seeing bizarre Mercadian mass cards like Eye of Ramos, Kataran Overlord, Tooth of Ramos. Uh, you know, I'm seeing stuff from Champions of Kamigawa. We see Sowers of Temptations, Mana Leaks. It's honestly everything. And I, I think one of the things is that when you you mash every when you mash sixty thousand Magic players into one marketplace, what you realize really quickly is that uh, there's all sorts of different types of Magic players out there. You know, there's people who are building modern decks. There are people who are playing standard. There's people who are, who are building cubes. There are people who play cop popper. You know, there's some uh -huh. people who are 
assembling sets of every card that ever exists. So all of a sudden you'll see like a bunch of random Mirage commons pop up on the page. And, you know, it really, it changes minute to minute. It really does. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the stuff that there's most like quote unquote competition for is are usually standard staples um, just because they're in such high supply, you know. Uh, right now, everybody's cracking packs of cons and fate because we're drafting it. It's it's in print right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, competition around uh, you know standard staples is definitely there. Um, but at the same time, that's some of the most traded stuff on the site. And actually, the we have this trends page that you could go to that just shows you like the top stuff traded. Um, you know, in the last uh, you know seven days, you could do twenty four hours of all time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, right now I'm seeing in the last seven days, it looks like, uh, for the most part, fetch lands are the most traded things on the site. We got 169 windswept heaths have been traded this week. You know, flooded strand is up there. looks like see the unwritten 138 got 114 Delver of secrets just traded 91 battlefield thaumaturges, you know, 90 mm -hmm. Eidolon of the great rebels. Um, you know, and again, uh, I, yeah, so I think standard stuff is typically like the most moved stuff on the site, which also kind of means that there's you know the more competition for it as well. Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned that uh, people can buy Puka points. So have you ever uh, have you ever had to worry about inflation in your system? Yeah, definitely. Um, inflation is is absolutely a concern. I mean, it's it's an economic force that any. Uh, trading or, or selling economy has to deal with. Um, but uh, it's also something that um, can be managed, you know. It's, it's just important that it's managed in the, in the right way. And the reality is that inflation is actually hugely important uh, to any sort of economy, but especially this trading economy one. And the reason for that is that uh, new people are signing up all the time. You know, I think we're now signing up like roughly 10,000 people a month, right? So uh, it's actually really important that we print uh, more Puka points to accommodate those people, those new people who are coming to trade on the site. Otherwise, uh, what would happen is deflation. And deflation mm -hmm. uh, is, is as dangerous or more dangerous than inflation, right? So it's sort of like this, uh, this constant, no, I'm not going to say, yeah, it's like a constant a balance you have to do. Yeah, a balance that has to be achieved to make sure there, there, there's enough uh, enough of the Puka points in the system to, to, to maximize trade. Um, and at the same time, uh, understanding that like one day, once growth slows, um, that will stabilize the production of those points as well. And we have tools uh, in case um, uh, our membership ever dips as well. There's def definitely ways that we can extract Puka points from the system too. Um, one question that we get from time to time is, oh, hey, how come I can't uh, sign up for uh, my rare membership, my uh, premium membership with Puka points. And the reason for that is that right now we're in a, we're in a growth situation, right? We're mm -hmm. in a situation where uh, we actually need to get more points into the system, um, not take them out. Um, but uh, yeah, one day, if, if that ever ceases to be true, as it probably will eventually, um, then uh, that's, absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely a knob that we can turn at that time. Yeah, that was going to be my other question, if you had a drain or not. Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking about the system when I first heard about Puka Trade, and it just seemed kind of interesting to me that from a, uh, a hypothetical point of view, if, when there was zero people on the system, and then there were two necessarily, there would only be so many Puka Points just in the economy at all, right? So mm -hmm. the total value of a card that could be traded is limited to the number of points in the system. You had to wait until there were 10,000 Puka Points before you could trade 10,000 uh, 10, point card because they had to be right. somewhere, right? Yeah. So it's just exactly. interesting to like that kind of math, the economy math, I find uh, very interesting. Yeah, I think so too. It's super interesting stuff. Yeah. And uh, we sort of were able to stabilize that actually by having all of our uh, new member bonuses, right? Um, you know, like now we give you points just for signing up, right? Once mm -hmm. you verify, once you like mobile verify to confirm that, you know, you're a human and not a robot. Uh, you know, you get a couple hundred free points for that just uh, by uh, taking your first steps, like adding cards to your want list or adding your shipping address, mailing your first card, completing your first incoming trade, uploading your avatar. You know, you get 100 points for all these things. So, um, yeah, right now uh, for every new member that signs up, we start them off with 700 points. And uh, it's actually perfect. Uh, it, 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 looking at sort of the economic data that we have, it seems to have this, this perfectly stable kind of inflation rate. Um, that's kind of mapped to the number of people on the site. 
uh, it makes perfect sense to sort of print points for every new person who's come along to trade. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so we're going on an hour at this point. Let's okay. uh, let's shift focus a little bit. I want to talk about the uh, the business side of the Magic community, specifically the local game stores. I assume you've played at many local game stores in your uh, your hometown. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, totally. Um, my favorite local game store is Endgame. It's down here in downtown Oakland, and they're you know three or four blocks away from Puka Trade headquarters. And uh, the owner is actually the most active Puka Trader on the site. Uh, <laughs> he's awesome guy by the name of Chris Hanrahan. Super nice guy. Um, I, I like his store for many reasons. I think uh, the main reason I like it is because it's. Uh, um, it's very community focused. It has a very different feel than a lot of the other local game stores that I've been to in the area. In that, um, when you go there, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but it kind of feels like everyone there is kind of part of one big welcoming family. You know, uh, everyone knows each other. Everyone's like you approach approaches you on a kind of a first name basis. Is interested in who you are and what you're up to. Uh, and I don't know. Other than that, like the store is like very clean and well taken care of. Whenever you play car, uh, events at like pre-releases, you you do so in the sort of like upper level mezzanine area where you're kind of like on a balcony looking down at the rest of the store, and it's like spacious and clean and well lit. And I don't know. It's just like everything that you want a local game store to be, really. You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, besides being a really well taken care of place, they really foster a sense of community and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like that place. It's definitely the only local game store I go to now. So what makes a game store great, in your opinion? Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, one of the things you'll notice at a lot of local game stores is that they kind of feel like you're playing cards in someone's crummy basement, you know? Mm -hmm. I think some of them, unfortunately, I'm not sure why this is, but I think there's a trend within local game stores of them being, like, not very clean, you know? They don't... They maybe don't smell fantastic, haven't been mopped in a good year or two, and, uh, you know, like low lighting and people crammed in, boxes of all sorts of crazy crap everywhere. We've all seen this local game store. We know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. um, but I think, uh, you know, there's no reason it needs to be that way, you know? You can make a really, like, you know, a really nice place uh, where, you know, you have some level of, of attention to interior design and, uh, you know, keeping it clean and well taken care of. And uh, yeah, I think Endgame in particular really achieves that, and uh, I think that's that's the that's the biggest first step to most local game stores out there. Uh, <laughs> take care of your place, and people respect it more. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of the the secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Okay. So, what is the future of Puka Trade? Mm, well, say um, this campaign goes off without a hitch, and you get all the money you need and all the money you want. Where are you yeah, going? What are you going to do? Let's let's say that. <laughs> that well, hopefully great. that's what happens. Yeah. Well, we're we're on track. We're doing we're doing great, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we still need some support. We're we're we've almost raised sixty percent of our goal here, and uh, you know we got a little over a, a couple weeks to go, and um, yeah, uh, and you know if this succeeds, we're gonna get these five big features that we we're talking about. We're gonna we're gonna see support for non English cards. Uh, uh, we're gonna see. Um, cards of any condition, better mobile experience, quantity. Basically, the, the whole site just gets this huge upgrade. Um, yeah, and I think um, when, with the development of support for non-English cards, what we really do is we kind of uh, take one step into uh, a more global Puka trade. Uh, right now, like there, there's, we're definitely global. There's definitely people from all over the world that are trading on the site. Uh, but I think the focus has primarily been Americans and Canadians so far. And largely that's because we're only offering support for English cards right now. Once Makes we sense. develop support for foreign, I think we'll sort of just like access and unlock foreign markets. And I think it'll be a, a, a big step forward for the community. Do you have anything big planned? Anything uh, to say like the next five years? What do you want to be? Where do you want the business to be? Right. Well, um, yeah, I guess after we develop these five big features, uh, then our plan is to uh, kind of like pause on the growth aspect of the site and kind of uh, do a little bit of inward looking, right? Where we're really kind of trying to enhance uh, the, uh, the look and feel and the user experience of every single page. You know, we want to look at every button and every feature and say, is this in the right spot? Is it, is it doing what we want it to do? Is, are there any little bugs that we've heard of reported, like we just want to 
we want to look at every single page and try to make the site perfect from every angle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, but my dog is howling right now. So sorry about that. Matching the sirens in the background? I know, yeah. Every time a <laughs> siren goes by, he always thinks it's another dog or something. I don't know what it does. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, yeah, so we're going to, I think we're going to kind of refocus a little bit and uh, look at every corner of the site and try to make it the best it can be, you know? Uh, one, a very common piece of feedback that we do get is around, like, the challenges with the competition on the send page. And it is a, you know, it can be a little bit of a grind if you're trying to send, specifically if you're trying to send out standard stuff that a lot of other people are. You might have to hit that refresh button a few times or use page monitor uh, to try to, uh, you know, uh, to be sure you're the first one to see a card when it pops up. And we want to take that pressure off a little bit. So I think you're going to start seeing things like dibs uh, and feedback and, and really, we're just going to look at like the whole dearth of uh, you know feedback and communication that we've gotten from our user base, and say, okay, let's tackle each of these uh, you know most requested features in turn. Cool, cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to you know mention before uh, we check out? Yeah, just that um, I hope people do get a chance to uh, check out. Uh, the site. I mean, head over to Indiegogo, do a search for Puka Trade, and we'll be the first one that uh, comes up. If, if you like the idea of a, a free magic trading website who's trying to, uh, you know, tackle these awesome things uh, like uh, digital to paper trade and everything else we've talked about, uh, yeah, consider tossing some bucks in the pot. I promise you we'll, uh, we'll put it to good use, and we got some cool perks for you there as well. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I just want to say thanks so much for having me on the show. It's uh, it's been awesome talking about my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, where do you, where do they go? What do they do? Best way is Twitter, really. Yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, kind of all the time. Okay. <laughs> uh, of course, my handle is at PukaTrade, and that's P-U-C-A, the word trade dot com. Gotcha. So you're the PukaTrade guy. I am. That's all me. Right. All right. Cool. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on, and it's been great, and I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you, Thomas. We'll talk to you later. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Eric, as well as some of the banter near the beginning. Maybe you learned a little about me, as well as Eric today. If you want to help the Puka Trade campaign succeed, click on the link in the show notes, or go to Indiegogo.com and search for Puka Trade. Get yourself some cool perks and help build something awesome. Sounds like a win-win to me. For more strategies and ideas about game store entrepreneurship, check out the home of the Maniverse podcast, ManiverseSaga.com. We're building a better magic community by building better businesses. From there, you can sign up and become an MVP. If you like this special edition episode, let me know by leaving a comment or by email to Tom at ManiverseSaga.com. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you can get my dulcet tones delivered straight to your device of choice every week. And as always, thanks for listening.